So, welcome back everyone. If it works for you to have your video on, it's great for me to be able to see people. So if that can work for you, uh, that's very much appreciated. <clears throat> Looks like not everyone is quite back. <clears throat> Yeah, so again, welcome back, and if you can have your video on, very much appreciate it. It's nice to be able to see people. <clears throat> so it's good to be back. I've uh, been away, haven't taught here for six weeks, which is a little bit unusual. And I was actually away um, for about three and a half weeks at a retreat center in North Carolina in the mountains where I was teaching for um, much of that period, uh, had a one-week retreat that I taught, and then they were very um, kind to me and uh, gave me a cabin up near a clearing in the mountains, uh, fairly high up, where, and they gave me food for a week, and I had a personal retreat for a week. Really sweet. And then I came back and had a, um, I taught a second retreat. And um, I've been back a little little while, so it's very nice to uh, very nice to be back. Uh, I was reflecting. This was partly in relationship to the you know the question that we had. I I noticed um, you know in going away for a personal retreat, just being in the mountains for a week, uh, you know, without internet uh, connection and so forth. I remember thinking. Um, gosh, I hope there's not a dropping of nuclear weapons in Ukraine, right? How is that for a thought going away for a retreat? But that's real, right? That's the world we're in, right? And so, you know, that was, that was an important question that was asked. How do we hold all of that? I, I noticed that in my mind as I went off for a week, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Something could be very difficult or discouraging. <clears throat> And I want to really explore for our time together a theme that is related to that in some way, in different ways. And the theme is taking everything as an opportunity for learning. I think that's right at the heart of our practice. And it's not an easy guideline. We could talk about that in different ways. You know, what it means is, can I take my life as fundamentally about learning? As opposed to what? As opposed to just having a good time all the time. Anyone just want to have a good time all the time? It's, it's okay. <laughs> right? But there's something else that's being pointed to here that... Uh, we can, we can keep on learning. It's learning internally, learning externally. And this is expressed in, again, in, in actually in different traditions in different ways. Another way that this is talked about, I, in the uh, Tibetan tradition, there's a line from the, uh, what are called the Lojong teachings, 
which are very much for a daily life. And the line goes, turn all obstacles into the path of practice. Right? How does that sound? Right? And so, again, it can be, can be expressed in different ways. In Zen, there's a phrase that goes, the obstacle is the path. Interesting, right? So can we, can we reframe our experience moment to moment, even when they're difficult things, as an opportunity for learning? Or as one of my uh, students once said, oh no, another effing growth opportunity. I don't know. We have, I know we have people here sometimes who are native French or German or Spanish speakers. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to translate that one into those languages, but uh, another effing growth opportunity, right? And so um, there we go. And so again, we can talk about it in different ways. It's like, can I take everything as the path? You know, interesting, the we often talk about the spiritual path, and the metaphor is that we walk along a path. And it's interesting because what it means is that there's some clearing away of impediments. That's what a path is. And we can walk more freely, but we also may encounter all sorts of things on the path. It's not a guarantee that we just, as it were, have a good time. And that path has been a, a very common metaphor from the ancient traditions of what's now India, the Upanishads. Long and narrow is the ancient path, the path by which the wise, knowers of the timeless, attaining to liberation, depart on this path. And there's a sense of, of the path you know, in the uh, stories of the ancient Israelites, the, the path goes from slavery to freedom, very much a theme uh, in the African-American tradition, you know, of the Exodus, which is a path that, that, goes to, that goes to freedom. There's a path in Islam that Muhammad leads, which goes to Mecca, the holy city. Or in the Chinese tradition, the notion of the Tao is the notion of the way, finding, finding the way. Another way we could talk about this is everything is part of the journey. Everything is there uh, for, for something for us to learn about. And I think this is true of individuals, that we can take everything as learning. It's also true in relationships, in groups and organizations. How can we in a relationship, in a close relationship, a family, take everything as learning? Because of course what we usually do is we decide that some of our experiences are not okay and others are okay. How can I take everything as an opportunity for learning? And I think it's also true in the larger society. Basically this is saying no matter what happens, can I learn from this? Not an easy teaching, is it? 
because we think that maybe some things are just uh, bad or horrible and outside of the scope of learning. But this is an invitation. Can I keep learning with everything? You know, and for, for myself, I, I was thinking about this just uh, a little while ago. It's been something important to me, but I was thinking about it because I was working with someone with whom I was working one-on-one, -on -one, and this person had a, quite a difficult and painful experience happen. And we talked about the principle of taking this difficult experience as an opportunity for learning, even in a way that it could actually bring benefits uh, for, for the future. And so this is really to maybe counter some of the, what we might call misconceptions about meditation that, you know, that I often talk about, that meditation is about being, you know, sort of getting to a place where we're just peaceful and calm and blissful. How many people signed up for meditation to, to sort of mostly be calm and blissful and peaceful? I did. <laughs> I signed up for that. You know, and I've often joked in these uh, Wednesday mornings that if we were being truthful, we would sometimes put into our advertising, come, learn meditation, sometimes be peaceful and calm and blissful. Sometimes, and maybe more often, study your many neuroses, study your bad habits, get really, really familiar with them. In fact, hang out way more than you ever wanted to with your neuroses. How many would have signed up for that? I don't think I would have. <laughs> Maybe some of us would have. But uh, we, we have these misconceptions about meditation that are very, that are very, very common. And so what really is the key in this teaching about taking everything as learning? And I'm, I'm going to be suggesting that we, that each of us, if we wish, Take this as a guide for the next week. I'll plan to be here next week. Bring that teaching into the next week. What is your, what is your next week look like if you remember every day, take everything as learning? What changes? What does it look like? I'll come back to that at the end and we'll have a, a reminder and a, a setting of intentions. A very simple way to talk about what this means is to say that it's pointing to the opportunity each moment to be responsive, to be wise and compassionate and responsive moment by moment. That's a simple way to talk about this. And then we're pointing to being responsive rather than simply reactive or habitual, right? Can I be responsive? You know, and one way to look at this, one way I sometimes think about our moment-to-moment -moment experience is to think about three steps that we have moment by moment. And I think this is especially the case where we have challenging experiences. But it could also be with beautiful experiences. Because one thing I'll point to is that this teaching about taking everything in, as learning is applicable when we have beautiful, wonderful experiences as well. It's really pointing for us to be aware and responsive 
be skillful, wise, compassionate, no matter what is happening. Good, bad, indifferent. Can I have, can I be skillful and responsive? And I think about this three-step way of looking at moment-to-moment responsiveness. Number one, kind of summon mindfulness and our best wisdom and compassion as a way to uh, prepare to respond to a situation. Number two, set an intention for how to respond. And number three, carry it out. That's a very simple way to look at what being responsive means. Summon good qualities, summon summon wisdom, compassion, and so forth, mindfulness. Bring those to the surface. On the basis of those, on the basis of being mindful, knowing what's happening, set an intention, and then act, respond skillfully. That's our practice moment by moment, right? That's, you know, if we're following this path, in a way, that's all we do our entire lives. That's a simple way of talking about it. I'll, I'll be, I'll go into more detail. And so, you now I was thinking of some of my own examples from my own experience, particularly, particularly, you know, how how have I learned from challenges or difficulties? That you know, that way of following the Tibetan guideline: turn all obstacles into the path of practice, or Again, the Zen saying, obstacles are the path, right? And I was thinking of experiences, you know, that came up in retreats where I was wanting to have bliss, and I had periods in, particularly in retreats, they occur in daily life as well, where I hang out with fear for a sustained period, right? And I didn't want the fear, you know, in a way, I, pr- I probably, when this occurred, the, I had one retreat where, where I was mostly fearful for a week, most of the time. The level of intensity was not huge. It was workable. That's a big thing with difficult experiences. Is it in the workable range? Because sort of one, another way of talking about this teaching of taking everything as learning, I th- I don't know who developed this, but there's kind of a, a model, I don't know if it's psychology, but there's a model of the three zones. There's the comfort zone, the discomfort zone, and the overwhelm zone. Guess where we learn everything? Sorry to say this, we don't learn very much in the comfort zone. We learn a lot in the discomfort zone, and we can't really learn much in the overwhelm zone. Interesting, isn't it, right? And so that's, uh, that's another way of talking, another way of giving language to this teaching. So for me, going into fear, definitely discomfort zone, but I got to hang out with fear for a week, and fear has never been the same. I got to really see the nature of fear. Fear is about projecting into the future. I didn't know that clearly before. And I could see that all of my fears were basically, when I looked carefully at them, they were off. (laughs) They, you know, some fears can actually be 
linked with reality, but mine were mostly not. That was interesting to see. And I've had similar experiences really hanging out with anger, with uh, self-judgment, harsh self-judgment, and have been able to really explore those and learn tremendously from being with difficult experiences. You know, and we have the tools and the perspectives in our, in our practice uh, to do that. And I was thinking of other examples that, and probably many of you have experienced this, when difficulties have arisen in, some, in close relationships, and I'm willing to go into the pain and the difficulty, the relationship typically deepens, right? How many people know that in your own experience, right? Probably, probably most or all of us, right? And when I have a relationship and we have difficulties or painful experiences, and either I or the other doesn't want to go into it, doesn't want to discuss it or bring it up, I would say the relationship uh, gets more shallow or sometimes just ends, right? How many of you know that one? How many of us know that one, right? And so I could say that taking difficult experiences as learning is crucial for healthy relationships. It's also crucial, for I think, for healthy organizations in the same way. For an organization to have guidelines, what do we do with difficult or painful experiences? A lot of organizations do not have that. Difficult or painful, I've experienced that a lot with multiple organizations where they're not guidelines or understandings. Difficult experiences come up and they're either it either leads just to a lot of reactivity or it just gets not dealt with, right? And I think the organization gets weakened. That's another way of, of looking at that. You know, I'll give one other example from my own experience of sometimes if, I, if I've been sick, of really letting the illness open me up to um, compassion, right? Can I, you know, uh, a common compassion practice is to recognize that what I'm experiencing that's painful or difficult is shared by others, right? And so I can, ta- I can actually take a difficult or painful experience as something that, that I learn from that deepens, as it were, my compassion. So I want to ask you, can you think of an experience where you learn from something difficult or painful. Just take a moment and reflect on that. Where you stayed with it and there was some learning. And I'd love to hear maybe from two or three people, if anyone would be willing to share really, really on the brief side, like maybe one or two sentences. And you can use the raised hand function, or if you have your video on, I can see you probably if you raise your hand physically. Anyone just like to share an experience? Doesn't have to be the most dramatic where you learned from something that was difficult.
Okay, please. So I see Victoria Kelly. Yeah, That's Victoria, right and then I see uh, I see Alistair also. Yeah. Okay, please, uh, Victoria. Hi there. So, learning, noticing fear <laughs> as the body um, starts to get less and less young, and yeah. being fearful of you know um, hip and not having a great hip, yeah. and what that's going to mean. Yeah, and how was their learning there? You know, I've noticed, it, like in my in my parents' generation, that they lived with this fear, and it was just um, not a good quality of life. And so, just looking at that fear and um, and pouring compassion over the fear and uh, myself, and being curious about the fear, and um, and it it kind of mellows out, you know, a yeah, little bit, right? right? I'm right in the middle of it, but, you know, with good heart and good intention. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So just compassion. Compassion. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, Alistair, please. You'll have to unmute. Yeah. There you go. Okay. This, this one surprised me. Um, there was a period earlier in the year, particularly when there was some, you know, very shocking geopolitical un unravelings, um, specifically in Ukraine. And um, I've always been interested in geopolitics and able to able to talk about it in a way that perhaps, um, um, not, from, not so much from a place of intellect, but without going to, to the most dangerous things that arise, that could arise. And um, it came out of a conversation where a friend kind of ghosted me after I had this chat with him and uh, he sent me a furious uh, text, and it turned out that he he just didn't want to be talking about about anything mm -hmm. about anything like that. And the learning wasn't so much that terrible things happen in the world, rather that um, I need to be careful and um, look again at what could feel like wise speech from my point of view, and, and notice that it might feel like wise speech from someone else's point of view. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So really. Uh... But the question is, what did I learn from this? And next time, you know, see if there is receptivity with something difficult or whatever. But yeah, beautiful. A very simple example, right? Yeah. Maybe one more, yeah. if anyone else would like to share, just in a, again, a sentence or two, something where there was something challenging or difficult and there was learning. Uh, please, Seema. Okay. The challenge here is to keep it brief, but I will. Um, yeah, I was at a memorial service last week for my best friend's 40-year-old daughter, who I loved very much. Mm. And, um, yeah. And my friend, when I got there, the way that she deals with her grief, when she doesn't want to deal with it is she's very critical of people she's close to mm -hmm. so she was critical of me about everything I was doing for the entire weekend and I thought I was going to have a breakdown mm. and I used everything I could think of every tool that I've learned in in practice mm. including restraint of pen and tongue and just sat quietly um had all my very strong feelings to myself because it was overwhelming 
And then as soon as I left, I started working on stuff, writing, calling friends, thinking of things that you and other teachers have said. And by the time I got home, it was still very unpleasant, but I feel like I was not the worst person in the world anymore. And it was not the worst thing that had ever happened to me. What was worse was what has happened to her. So I was able also to see it from her point of view that she had just lost her daughter. Um, yeah. It was very, very difficult learning, but I feel like I'm in a different place now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. So what I'm hearing especially is that learning, even though, you know, painful interpersonally, you could come to have more compassion and see it from her perspective. Yes. Powerful learning. Yeah. And also not blame myself, which is usually the tendency. Yeah. So there was no, it turned out, ended up that there was no blame in the situation. It was just very painful. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's something. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everyone. And thanks. Thanks to those who reflected. So if I ask the general question, then, you know, this could echo some of what people just said, what makes possible taking everything as learning? You know, what can, what makes that possible in our practice? Um, partly it means being able to be with what's difficult without what might be our common or habitual reactivity. Can I, you know, we need, this is where we need the training. Can I be with the unpleasant without simply reacting or wanting to get rid of it? You know, that's, that's at the center of our, of our training. You know, I, I can remember that teaching, which I often give on Wednesdays and the teaching from uh, dependent origination and Carlito, let's go with the slide contact to grasping now. Yeah. This is, um, should be familiar to many of us. This is probably gets at right at the center of the Buddhist teaching. And it's also completely central for um, taking everything as learning. This is the teaching that when we have a certain experience, that's contact, you know, that's really sort of a, another way of talking about there's an experience. Each of those experiences has a feeling tone. Something is pleasant, something is unpleasant, or something is neutral. 98 or 99% of experiences are neutral. Now, when we're not aware and we're not wise, when we have something pleasant occur, we, we want it, and then ultimately we grasp after it. When we have something unpleasant occur, we don't want it, and we push it away. And that, you know, these can happen in all sorts of ways. The Pushing away can happen at the level of the body, tensing. It can happen at the level of the mind, blaming, judging, shaming, all sorts of things, just not wanting to deal with something. And so had this teaching is at the center, and we, we work with this in our meditation practice, and this is sort of the core teaching which gives us guidance on taking everything as learning. So we can let go of this now, Carlita. Thank you. And so what this tells us is that when there's something unpleasant, when we're not aware, we will tend habitually to react, try to push it away. Again, that can happen 
at the level of the body, at the level of the emotions, at the level of, of the mind. So we somehow want to, we want to, as we do in our practice, we develop the capacity to be with what's difficult or unpleasant. This is a, a core capacity that we're cultivating all the time in our meditation. Again, not what was advertised. Come, hang out with unpleasant experiences. Do this more than you ever thought you would, right? That's not the advertisement, but there, you know, in those many experiences, we have sort of the microcosm of the learning of taking everything as, as learning because we can actually see, oh, I will hang out with my unpleasant sensations in my shoulder, which are in the workable range, and I will learn about my habitual tendencies to not want the pleasant, or the unpleasant to be there. And I can see how this can get in the way, right? And so this, that teaching is going to be really central. Being willing to be, at times, with the unpleasant. Again, a good guideline is, is the unpleasant in the workable range, in the discomfort range, rather than the overwhelm range? When it's in the too much range, the overwhelm range, it's actually skillful to try to get rid of the unpleasant when it's too much. That could mean if I have a difficult interaction and I'm really feeling, you know, my anger is at a 10 on the, level, on the scale of 1 to 10, it's better for me to get out of the situation, right? That's why. So there are all, there are all sorts of intricacies, intricacies here. And so we need to be able to hang out when difficult experiences are in the workable range, the discomfort range, so we can hang out sometimes with difficult emotions. I have anger that came from an interaction yesterday. It comes up in my meditation. Let me be with it. There's going to be learning that comes from that. Let me hang out with the anger. Often, anger will turn to, um, when we stay with it, turns to sadness. That's interesting learning, right? And, and so just to be able to be with the difficult emotions will help us to respond differently. So we have that. Um, we, yeah, like, I think like Alistair was saying, we, we at times we need to uh, try see if I can respond skillfully. Can I, uh, can I be with a difficult situation? Sometimes we need to take a time out, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes we need to find what's, what's my wise response. But a key is really being mindful of what's happening in the present moment, noticing reactivity. And basically, as much as we have some control over it, saying, I will not act out of reactivity. You know, I will not, to go back to the teaching I often give, I will not shoot the second arrow. I've been shot by an arrow of pain. I will not, in turn, pass on the pain to others. You know, I will take a time out. So these are some of the teachings and practices. And from this, we can see that actually, as was mentioned, there can be gifts that come from our difficulties or obstacles that we can have learning or different kinds of, of gifts that, that can occur 
with painful experiences. There was a very, there's a very powerful story in a book that um, by, by someone whom I know, some of you know of this book, uh, Kitchen Table Wisdom by Rachel Naomi Remen, a, a beautiful book. And she tells the story of a young man who I think was in his 20s. He had been an athlete and he had cancer that led to the removal of one of his legs. And he was very, very bitter. And maybe I'll, I'll read a little bit from the story. He was very, very bitter and just negative and filled with anger. Filled with a sense of injustice, filled with self-pity, he hated all the well people. In our second meeting, hoping to encourage him to show his feelings about himself, I gave him a drawing pad and asked him to draw a picture of his body. He drew a crude sketch of a vase, just an outline. Running through the center of it, he drew a deep crack. He went over and over the crack with a black crayon, gritting his teeth and ripping the paper. He had tears in his eyes. They were tears of rage. The drawing was a powerful statement of his pain and the finality of his loss. It was clear that this broken vase could never hold water, could never function as a vase again. But he stayed with her, and over the next months, he said, his anger began to change in subtle ways. He began... He began one session by handing an item torn from a local newspaper about a, motor a motorcycle accident in which a young man had lost his leg. He brought in more of these articles. His reaction was always the same, a harsh judgment about doctors and anyone who would help. But over time, this young man who was, he came to help with the, uh, the hospital ward and he started, he started to come visit young people who had experiences like he had had. He visited many, many people. One person he visited was a young woman who had had uh, a family history of breast cancer, having claimed the lives of her mother, her sister, and her cousin. And she decided when she was 21, because of this family history, to remove both of her breasts surgically, to have that done. And she was she was in the, the hospital, deeply, deeply depressed. And this young man came, came to visit her and he talked with her. He actually then took out his uh, harness of his artificial leg. He let it drop to the floor 
and he began to uh, hopple around the room. And the young woman said, started, started laughing and said, fella, if you can dance, maybe I can sing. So he worked with her and they became friends. And actually they got married, quite something. A little while later, uh, Rachel Naomi Remen had him go back to that original drawing, the drawing of the vase with uh, just a, a deep black uh, crack. And he looked at the drawing and said, you know, it's really not finished. And she gave him the crayons. And he said, I want to finish it. Taking a yellow crayon, he began to draw lines radiating from the crack in the vase to the very edges of the paper, thick yellow lines. Rachel said, I watched, puzzled. He was smiling. Finally, he put his finger on the crack, looked at me, and said softly, this is, this is where the light comes through. It's quite a story, isn't it? That what had been previously just pain and horror when he stayed with it and began to have compassion develop for others, something else started to happen. He said, this is, you know, the, the pain, the cracks, this is where, this is where the life, the light comes through. And again, I think we can maybe see that when we, when we uh, look to our own lives. I was thinking of the life of the Buddha, who had some very difficult experiences when he was uh, still living in his community and with his family. He had these experiences, very painful, of meeting what are called the heavenly messengers an old man, a sick man, a corpse, and a wandering monk. And these experiences opened for him up the possibility of the spiritual path. And so I think we can sometimes see in our own lives how there might be these difficult experiences that um, brought gifts, I think much like some of the stories people gave. And I'll mention one other way that we can learn, particularly from challenges, and I'll, I'll finish with this, that we can also sometimes take our own reactivity, our own maybe blaming or judging being reactive, as pointing to situations where we have something we can clean up. You know, one of the, I work with people a lot, as most of you know, with transforming the judgmental mind. And sometimes when people have difficult experiences, maybe some aspect of being judgmental towards self or other arises that wasn't there much before. And I tell them, you can take this as learning because without the difficult experience, you wouldn't have been judgmental in the same way, but the, the seeds of that judgment are still there. You can take sometimes being reactive, being judgmental, blaming, 
as pointing to the seeds that you now have an opportunity to work with and make less. Interesting way to approach life, isn't it? Oh, I'm having reactivity. I'm having negative experiences. I'm, my mind is not comfortable with this. Oh, a chance to clean things up. What's it like to have that approach to uh, one's own mind being reactive? That's possible to have in that way. So let me finish. I'll finish with a maybe two poems. One is by the poet Rilke. This is actually part of a poem. Go to the limits of your longing. Flare up like flame. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And I want to um, invite us for the next week, if you wish, to take this teaching of the possibility of seeing everything as learning. Obstacles, turn all obstacles into the path of practice. I want to invite us to take that intention and then we could come back and compare notes next week. So I'm going to finish with a poem and then we'll have a little moment of silence. This is from Aurora Levin's Morales. It's really about the same teaching. May we have a sweet year of struggle. May we sing and hear our voices multiplied. May we find the deep roots of courage and love and feel it rise in us like sweet maple sap, simmered in the heat of the hard work, the remaining, the remaking of the world until joy sugars our days. May we have a sweet year of struggle. May our losses fertilize our fields into a bumper crop of blossom. May our losses fertilize the fields into a bumper crop of blossoms. May the squashes flower and bear rich fruit. May tomatoes and melons blush into flavor. May all we have suffered turn into soil. May a million mushrooms rise from the broken places and make medicine for our wounding. May sunflowers clean the earth. May we embrace the biggest challenges we have ever faced, draw them close, find their cracks and infiltrate like spores, like tiny seeds, like moss. May we turn our faces to the sun and let hard times ripen in us until we are bursting with juice, until we are blackberries among the thorns. May we have a sweet year of struggle. Amen. <laughs> so thank you, Aurora Morales Levens, or Aurora Levens Morales. And let's take a moment of quiet now just to see what may have resonated with us from the talk, maybe from reflection on your own experiences. And see if there are any uh, questions you have or any themes that you'd like to 
explore more, or any of your own experiences that you might like to share that bring this out, bring out our, our theme of taking everything as learning. See what's there for you. Donald, I see Vivian has her hand up. Yeah, let me just take, a, let's take another minute or so for quiet time, then we can get to Vivian. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, please, uh, Vivian. So you're still oh, muted. Oh, sorry. One second, Vivian. Here we go. Try again. Okay. There we go. Um, okay. Well, I've been listening so hard. I hope I remember what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Two things um, that have been going on in all of these sessions with you, Donald, yeah. for a year um, that have really hit home, especially lately, that Dukkha is reactivity. Okay. That's the lesson. And I have been a reactive person my entire life. Probably. Okay. My entire life, I've been really, really reactive. And one day I heard myself being reactive and I said to myself, Oh, I'm causing my own Dukkha. Mm. It's not coming from what that person just said to me. It's coming from me. And I, and I kept that thought in my mind. Uh-oh, I'm causing my own dukkha. I need to learn and realize what this is. The other thing that helped is once I knew that I was causing my own dukkha or I saw another person causing their own was Vedna. It took me a very long time just because it seemed like there weren't very many lessons on it. And I reach out to other sources rather than just you, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> and and feeling, it's been, a lot of the talks say that Vedna is feeling, but my belief, my understanding now is that it's feeling tone the way you described it, positive, negative, or neutral. And I began to understand that Vedna is that quick feeling after an experience, but sometimes it hangs around and it colors what's going to happen next. And it has a lot to do with dependent origination. And um, so I would see it in myself and I would watch out if I started being really reactive and then I'd calm down and then I go, oh, let me check in with Vedna. Am I going to start this up again? Yeah, because yeah. I've got a negative feeling that's coming on. So that's, that's how I was teaching myself and whether that's the correct interpretation of Vedna. I can't be a hundred percent sure, but it's working for me. Yeah, no, it, it sounds very skillful that, uh, again, things as I presented in that, uh, the slide that we had on one level, things are quite simple. They can get complex, but on one level, like you say, um, the teaching is that with every moment of experience, there's either pleasant or unpleasant or neutral and virtually all of our experiences are more in the neutral range, but uh, when we have a pleasant or unpleasant experience, especially if it's of a you know significant level, 
it'll te will tend to start being reactive, either grasping at the pleasant or pushing away the unpleasant. And so a really big part of our practice is noticing the feeling tone, Vedana. And so, you know, one way of practicing is just maybe for two or three minutes when we're fairly quiet, just looking for the moment-to-moment -moment sense of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Do it for a short time because it can't really do it for an hour or half an hour, but do it for three minutes and just watch. Or really have your radar out to notice, oh, when in my, and start with meditation, when does, when do things become pleasant or unpleasant? There's no, not a problem with pleasant or unpleasant, it's just that they're happening, you know. You can uh, take a meal, which is probably mostly pleasant, and just notice what pleasant experience is like, right? And then, you know, and this becomes a really fundamental part of our practice, and again, the uh, the teaching is that when the, when we have some reactivity, particularly when I really don't like something, it's because there was something unpleasant. Or if I have all the ways that on the basis of what I don't like, I can get very complicated, have blaming, have a whole storyline, you know, have a very complicated story. But it all originates from the unpleasant experience, right? So really noticing that, tracking it, is right at the center of practice. So it sounds like that's what you're doing in large part. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else want to share a story? It could be again of how there was there were gifts from difficult experiences, or you know, or maybe bring up a situation. I have this challenging experience. How do I work with it? Uh, Carolyn, please. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the last month and a half has been more difficult than not. And yesterday I went into choir where people think differently from me, have different values. And I was loaded for bear. I was just, somebody said something which I consider racist or somebody, you know, I'm just going to explain to them the error of their ways. And I was just, I was tight and electrified with aggravation and just wanting to sound off. Yeah. And I walked in and I thought, that's not what I do anymore. Mm. You know, and with you people for going on three years now, this is not what I've learned. And I, I sat down and I pulled out in my memory the mantras for the chakras. And I just started going through, you know, the root chakra and up and up and seeing the colors. And I just, and I stay longest on the root chakra and be grounded. And it was, I kept going back to it and I'd be smiling because it gave me such relief. So I'm learning that the end of the world doesn't happen every day. That's something from my childhood. I'm learning not to cross bridges before I come to them. Mm. Huge. It's, I just, I'm sitting here listening to you and listening to the other people who are sharing. And it just clicked 
how differently I approach my life from not so long ago. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and it's and 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 that you're you're approaching this practice, and we can again, I'm giving a little bit different language today and saying we can also see this is a path of learning. You know, where mm-hmm. we learn uh, different ways to approach the situation than maybe we have generally in the past. You know, you know, just letting someone have it with our words, right? Is there a different approach, right? So it's not, you know, so it's really saying how can I be most skillful? And, you know, a lot of it takes uh, some just exploration, what helps me to ground, be more quiet, and so forth. So it's, it's really a, an exploration. So now, again, that language can be helpful. And a building of trust. It was probably two summers ago now. Um, I was, actually it was Sylvia who said, just practice. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just kind of threw up my hands and I sat down and I practiced hardly trusting it, just going through the motions with a bit of an open heart. And within a few weeks, my relationship with my daughter was, was healed to a huge extent. Um, so it's trust and going, this really works. Mm-hmm. They don't make this up. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, Carolyn. Thank you. Hey, anyone else? Uh, Carlita, please. Yes, Donald, thank you. We had a question arise uh, in the chat that I was hoping to bring in. Okay. All right, great. So when you were discussing being with difficult situations, the anonymous question that came in reads, how does this instruction dovetail with the Buddha's teaching to consort with wise friends and abandon foolish ones? <laughs> uh, how do we uh, uh, consort with wise and abandon foolish? Um, let's see. I think the, uh, the Buddha was, may have been giving that advice to people entering a monastic community. Um, so the context may be different. You know, we um, we actually are in different contexts where we may not have a choice. Unless one is going to be a hermit or go off to a monastery, I may have people in my family that I don't regard as fully wise. Anyone have people in family not fully wise? A few of us, yeah. Or we may work with people, so, or we may live in a community, or we may live in a country and take, uh, you know, and have the uh, responsibility of being a citizen where we may have to interact with the uh, so-called foolish people. And I think it's also good to recognize uh, our own foolishness at times. So I think I would probably respond by saying, um, in general, it's a di- that we, we, we're in a different context. We're, as it were, living in the world as opposed to going into a monastery. That being said, it's very important to also 
have one's own community of like-minded people where hopefully there are not as many generally foolish people. <laughs> so I, I would sort of answer it in two ways. Having a community of like-minded people who are really dedicated to practice is really crucial. But on the other hand, we, you know, we interact, we have to interact skillfully with the people in our lives in our families, workplaces, and society who may, um, you know, who may be caught in habitual unconscious behavior. I hope that's helpful. Anyone else want to share or um, ask something? Okay, please, uh, Lise Marie. <clears throat> um, let's see, in, a, in a, my position as a leadership is a person who um, I've had a very difficult time working with and um, his tendency to exaggerate um, is, gets on my nerves mm -hmm. and be pushy and um, irritable and push people forward before their time. And um, I had an opportunity I realized recently where I could put him in, I could empower him. Hmm. And um, so um, I asked him if he'd like to do this particular thing. And he said, yes. And um, he did it very well, hmm. I felt. And um, my comfort level around him has increased tremendously. Oh, wow. Great. So, great. So it's a it nice a example because it really shows, I think, the, the spirit of what? Experimentation? Yes, <laughs> and, and really trying out new things. That's part. That's part of the learning, yeah. Too. So that's adding a nice piece that I didn't mention, to bring in creativity, experimentation, trying out things. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on where it comes from. Does it come from, you know, am I being reactive when I'm creative and try out new things, or is it really coming from some curiosity or inquiry, right? And the other thing that occurred to me, that's something I also have not mentioned uh, today, that's, a I think, a related to what you were saying, but a really important um, principle is the sense of uh, not going for the most difficult situations first. Some of those we don't have choice in, but to really know that we can learn, especially with some of the situations that are sort of medium level of difficulty or even not, you know, maybe even more easy situations because a lot of the principles are going to be the same. So I like to, when I look to difficult situations, give it a rating on a scale of one to 10. You know, I, I say this a lot and we like to go very quickly to the eights or nines or tens, but there can be a lot of learning when we go to the fours or fives. And so there can, you know, in a sense, that's how we, that's how training occurs. We train with less difficult situations, take those as opportunities for learning before we go to the most difficult ones. So I wanted to add that piece as well. That's, a, that's an important one. Okay, how many people would like to work the next week with that idea of taking everything as learning? We're having that be a guide for the next week.
Okay, that's great. So let's let's have a quiet time now, just for a minute or so. Set your intention for what's going to help you to let this teaching guide you. Now I should have the talk up on the website Dharma Seed uh, later today. So you can use the talk, but ask what's going to help me, particularly help me to remember, you know, do I want to write it down somewhere, remember it every morning? What's going to help me to work with this for the next week? And so let those intentions guide us, take notes, come back with stories, things you've learned. I'll, I'll go into a little more depth on this theme. That's my plan for next week. I think maybe bring in a little bit on Thanksgiving. I'll see. <laughs> um, but mostly focus for the next week on working with this teaching, especially means being with what's challenging and can I have the spirit of learning from this? Okay. So we'll close with the dedication of merit. I think first of all, I want to uh, thank everyone. Thank Carlita. Yay, Carlita. Yay for your support and help. And close with the dedication of merit. May our time together be of benefit. May it be a benefit for us. May it be a benefit for those in our lives, in our own circles, and then beyond our own circles. May our time together and our practice be of benefit to all beings, letting the circle go very, very wide. May it be of benefit to all beings, knowing that we are part of all beings. So thanks everyone. If you want to unmute and say hello and goodbye, feel free to do that. You can unmute if you want to put your video on. If it's not on, you can say hi. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for the teaching and the companionship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye everyone. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Till next time. Yes. Thank you, Arlita, for your gracious. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Carlita, again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank Thanks. you so much, Donald. Thank Thanks. you, Sangha. It's good to see you all. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.